It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Good afternoon, everybody. How is everybody doing? I'm Robbie Welcome. Sharf. Welcome to Done Being Single. I'm Trevor Brandon Sharf. And this is our first show, and we couldn't be happier to be here. It's our maiden voyage, and we are losing our radio virginity with millions of you, listeners. Or maybe tens of you. And we're going to talk a little bit about us to start and why we're doing this. And I am looking at my lovely wife right now and uh, couldn't be happier. Okay, so why don't we um, tell them our story? Great idea. How we met, how the show came to be. I will start. If you don't know, Robbie and I are late bloomers, and we have been single pretty much all of our lives, and neither one of us has been married, no kids. And I was about turning 49. I was at the tail end of a relationship. I was really down on my luck. I was... I had no prospects. My career felt like it was stalling. I had tried and was unable to get pregnant. I mean, it was just like it was the dark night of my soul. And I was going through a breakup. And at the same time I was going through this breakup, I was on Facebook. And I got a private message from this guy named Robbie Scharf, whom I had sort of known, never met him. We went to the same high school. We we're from the same town few years older than me. And he sent me a little message about a friend, a mutual friend of ours that he was concerned about. And I was in no mood to flirt or be charming. I didn't want to chit chat. I felt like shit. I was just, like I said, going through my umpteenth breakup with my umpteenth boyfriend and everything was looking pretty dark. So he contacted me and with a message about this friend of ours that, that he was concerned about. And take it away. Well, this friend of ours was someone that was going through some emotional times with a, a woman that he was dating. And we just wanted to try to see if there was something we could do, do to help this friend. And Trevor was a little suspicious about me even reaching out to her as she did not know me. So we just kind of made it very nice pleasantries. And it was, it was really... I didn't really have anything, there was no other agenda in writing her other than, you know, genuinely wanting to help our friend. And so uh, we exchanged some just nice back and forth, and then that was it. And then a couple months later, I happened to see another mutual friend of Trevor's and mine at a local camera store. And we were talking, and this friend uh, mentioned to Trevor that she saw me and that I was a nice guy. And... Trevor said, you know, he's a nice guy. I'm going to invite him to my 50th birthday party. Yes, but before the 50th birthday party, I had to do a lot of healing. 
I was not at all happy. I was, this was November 2012. And um, like I said, I was just going through another breakup. And then there were the holidays and they sucked and uh, nothing felt good or tasted good or sounded good. But as uh, the weeks went by and then we got into January and I was now about a month away from my 50th birthday, I, you know, I was starting to feel better. Things were, the the fog was kind of lifting. And so I thought, you know what, fuck it. I am, I'm going to be single, I guess. I guess I'm not marriage material. I guess I'm turning 50 and shit, no one wants to marry me. And I, I don't know. I guess I've, I've wanted to marry other people. Um, but somehow we all just could not get on the same page. And so I went from feeling bad about myself, my prospects, my choices. I was regretful. I was just, you know, it was the perfect storm of despair. But as the weeks went on and I got closer to my 50th, I thought, okay, I have a choice. I could either take to my bed and turn 50 in bed and pull the covers over my head, or I can celebrate myself at 50 and just own it, own that I'm single, own that I've never been married, own I have no kids, own that maybe I don't have this giant career and make peace with it and celebrate it. And so I decided to get up and and start celebrating all that I had done and all that I had built. And I did so by throwing myself a big 50th birthday, which kind of doubled as a wedding that I was never going to have. So I rented out a karaoke dive bar and invited half of Facebook and included Robbie in the guest list. And I didn't know who he was. I had never met him. I had seen him. He was cute. He had a cute profile picture. But that was it. And he showed up and uh, with a lovely bottle of champagne. And uh, it was it was great to meet him. And I threw my arms around him. I had already had a few tequila shots. I was... (laughs) feeling kind of loose. And I welcomed him in with the rest of my friends and family. Long story short, we had it's too late for that. Uh, an official first date the week after, which was on February 15th, since he was out of town on Valentine's Day. And then cut to six months after that, he proposed. And then nine months later, we got married. And it was it was quite a journey getting to the altar. I will tell you right now, uh, anybody who's read my blogs or knows my story or knows me personally knows that I went through hell, a lot of heartbreak hotel, a lot of breakup hell. I had to find ways to recover. I had to find ways to get up and move on, brush myself off, get back in the saddle, which I did. And that is kind of how the genesis of the show began, because I have all this knowledge, because between Robbie and me, we have, I counted it, 107 years of single life under our belt. We've been at this single thing for many years, have had all kinds of experiences. We have all kinds of wisdom and knowledge that we are ready to share. I can personally say that I fucked up for you, so that you don't have to. I made every mistake in the book and learned and learned very slowly. And I'm still learning. Just because you get married in your 50s doesn't mean that all your problems go away. A lot of them went away because I worked hard at making them go away. So as we kind of map out the rest of this show and the goals I think for me and Robbie are to help you find love. If you're single, 
if you've never been married, if you're divorced, if you're separated, widowed, we are going to help you find love. We are going to hopefully help you find a healthy relationship. We're also going to help you get married. We're also going to help you get laid. Everything is going to be covered here. Maybe both. Everything, and maybe on the first night, who knows? I will say, though, that there's something I have learned in all my experiences being out there in the singles world, and this is a little bit of a secret, that the happier you you are being single, the faster you won't be single. Okay? Does that make sense? So let me say it again. The happier you are being single, the faster you won't be single. So, yes, we've got a ton of great information for you. We've got all kinds of tips and tricks. We've got dating do's and don'ts. We've got rants and raves. We got it all. But above and beyond that, I would say to all of you listening, it is really imperative upon all of you to become the happiest, healthy, single person you can be first before anything. That is key. And however we can get there together, great. Hopefully this will be a journey we take together because being single, a happy single person is no easy task. It took me, like I said, it took me plenty of uh, hit and misses, trial and error. I made terrible choices. I probably set myself back years that I had to learn. And I know that we all do things to sabotage ourselves. We all do sabotage, consciously or not, we do things to fuck up our progress. And, and I know I speak for a lot of women, and we all are smart women, and we're not stupid, but it happens. Men too. Men make mistakes. And with that said, I want to bring in our first guest whom I think is going to shed a lot of light on the concept of self-sabotage, mistakes, coming from a place of not power in their relationships and getting to how to get yourself back on track. My friend Shannon Colleri is here with us. She is a certified life coach who works with clients who attract or are involved in toxic romantic relationships. She is also the author of She Dated the Asshats, but Married the Good Guy. Her book chronicles her own recovery from toxic love and subsequent marriage to her amazing husband of 17 years. Shannon is a blogging friend of mine. She's my blogging hero. She's also a former fellow wild chick. And I want to introduce her right now. Come on in, Shannon. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored to be part of your first show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shannon. (laughs) No problem. So the show is called Done Being Single. So we're kind of coming from a place of where were we when we were done being single? What what was that moment like for us? What was that moment like for you? Well, it's funny. I relate so much to Travis' story, which is the umpteenth boyfriend, the umpteenth breakup, And yeah, I think for me, sometimes I always say to to clients, my little catchphrase is, you know, let rock bottom be your jet fuel. Nobody likes hitting rock bottom. It's very painful. It's not fun. But there's so much to be learned from it. Um, And it's an opportunity to change yourself in your own life. 
And so for me, my rock bottom moment came when I discovered the man I was living with that I was uh, really wanted to marry, although why, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I was pushing 35, and, and like a lot of women, I really felt like, gosh, you know, I'd want to have a family, and if that's going to happen, it, you know, I need to I need to figure some stuff out. So when that guy packed up his bags, I just started working my recovery program, which um, for me was a 12-step program, and I became willing to listen to my sponsor, to listen to my therapist, and to take specific direction to change my life. And for a lot of us, you know, it's sort of like someone who drinks a lot when they're young, but if they're still drinking a lot when they're in their 30s, that means they might be an addict, you know? It's like your experimental phase is over. If you're still having blackouts and finding yourself waking up in odd places, you might have a problem. And I really felt like, for me, it was sure, when I was young and immature, it made sense to have volatile relationships that were heartbreaking. But now I'm 35 and I'm still doing it. So I have an addiction, and my addiction was a love addiction. And what I had to do was look at my behavior, take responsibility for my own life and the choices I was making. So for me, yeah, I was done being single, or more importantly, I was done being addicted to volatile, sexy, (laughs) non-committal, cheating men. And I thought, I have to revamp the way that I approach love and dating. And that was the beginning for me. Okay. Okay, that's great, because that's going to segue to our next little segment. Uh, We are going to take a brief break right now and come back with more of Shannon. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much. And now, back to Done Being Single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Scharf. Thank you, Shadow Stevens. Okay, Uh, we are back with Shannon. And uh, Hi. Uh, So, Shannon, continue with what we were talking about. Oh, right. Well, we were we were talking about when when uh, you're done being single, and I was just saying that um, a lot of times it takes really hitting an emotional low before we're ready to look at ourselves and the way that we approach dating and love. Um, and so, you know, that can happen for people in their twenties that done being single. And, and here's the funny thing. It's not that you're done being single actually, because even though we all considered ourselves to be single because we weren't married, we were in relationships. So it's also done being in, in toxic relationships or relationships that are dead ends. Yeah. So um, for me, it, it, it just required that I finally take responsibility for my dating habits and the way that I approached relationships. So if, I, if there are any listeners out there who find themselves either single and, and just feeling like loved isn't working for them, or listeners who are currently in a relationship that's creating a great deal of pain for them, there is a way out, there certainly is hope, and that is all within your control. Um, mm-hmm. Which is getting the help you need to make better choices. How did you How did you know you were bottoming out? What was your bottom? Well, I think for me, my bottom was knowing I wanted a family and having a relationship end in my. I guess actually, I was thirty three. I wasn't quite uh, thirty five, but um, I, I just recognized that I was repeating the cycle of my my parents' marriages. My mom was married four times by the time I was thirteen. It was volatility was very familiar to me. I thought. Uh, I thought I mistook hot sex for love, and I think 
that's one thing that all of us are up against. Obviously, some of our dating patterns come, stem from what we saw growing up, um, the role models we had, but we also learn a lot about love and dating through our current culture, which uh, kind of brainwashes us that sex is love, when in fact it's the it's just sex. <laughs> and and we can get very caught up in and infatuated by and have all kinds of serotonin highs from the hot, you know, sex at the beginning of a really uh, volatile relationship. So for me, uh, the way that I changed my pattern was I made a decision not to trust my my vagina. I was like, honey, you will walk into a bar and see the biggest jerk there that will cheat on you from the moon and back again, and that's the one you're going to be attracted to. So I was like, okay, I don't trust you, vagina. You're on a back burner. I am now going to use other parts of myself to 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 date. I love this. I would highly recommend, you know, making a change like that. And I do think our culture sort of uh, um, pushes us in that direction that sex is love. Okay, so how how would you advise someone who you think confuses hot sex for mm-hmm. for love or or drama? Drama for yes, love. Yes, oh, because yes. because well, it I, makes I, you know, them I feel alive and because it's there's so much drama, therefore it must be love. Right. And you know, I think it really is a revamping of how we perceive uh how we perceive love. There are a lot of red flags that you're getting into a toxic or potentially addictive love relationship. And one of the first red flags is you feel totally high after that date. Or you're dating someone who wants to snort you like a drug. So I think in our culture, and it's so funny with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and these types of shows, where it's all based on chemical or physical attraction. And that immediately getting involved in that way is a false intimacy. That's not true intimacy. True intimacy is developed over time where you've got that flu for the first time and he brings you soup or, you know, they pick you up at the airport uh, and wait for you at the, you know, for an hour when your plane is Mm -hmm. delayed or, you know what I'm saying? What you're looking for is not true love, which is love at first sight. You're looking for real love. And real love is something that, that takes time to develop. So first thing I would say to anyone going out there dating, pay attention to how it starts. If it feels fast, furious, and like you're high, that's a red flag to step back and slow down. And I can recommend a ton of wonderful literature, which I can give to you later, but there are a lot of different red flags. So whenever there's somebody who's being inappropriately intimate right away, and I actually say, you know, with with this swipe generation that we have, too much intimacy on text, no, Mm -hmm. do not get to know each other through text. Oh, my God. Thank you. That's a subject that we will be talking about. That's actually one of my uh, uh, dating don'ts. Um, I have very strong feelings about texting, over-texting, using texting as a main form of... uh, of communication, um, and that's not even sexting. We're not even getting into the sexting right. part, which is a yeah. whole other thing that I frown upon. You know, I got to just say for our audience, as much as I am, you know, a free spirit, I was single forever, I'm super progressive, I'm really like, I'm, I got a good attitude about sex and love, I got to tell you, I'm super old-fashioned. So there are going to be times I go completely school marm on you. 
I'm going to I'm going to go completely church lady on your ass. Church lady, yes. Because I feel because I made these mistakes and I know that discretion is the better part of valor, that holding back, that pacing, that taking your time it may not jibe with you're right, the swipe generation, but I will tell you you will save yourself a lot of heartbreak and disappointment if you slow the hell down. Absolutely. In which you can you can speak to that. Absolutely. No, I think it's really smart. You know, I always liken intimacy through text before you, like, you can sex someone if you've been in a relationship with them for a few years and you know that they love you and that can be a lot of fun. But, but yeah, I always liken it to being on a long transatlantic flight somewhere and suddenly you and your seatmate sitting next to you are telling each other your deepest, darkest secrets and you get off the plane and you think, you're kind of hung over. You're like, my God, I told them things I wouldn't even tell my colleagues. And sort of right. like that with texting. It, it just creates this false intimacy. And so if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be serious about dating and finding the right person, you you just text when and where you're gonna meet, and and let the date take care of that. And yeah, I mean, you're totally right, Trevor. Which is slow things down. And I love what you said in your intro. Be a great single person. Be happy as a single person. And when that person steps into dating, there's no desperation, anxiety, or need. You're stepping in as somebody who's just looking forward to meeting another person and and getting to know who they are and and moving from there. You're not coming from a a place of lack. Right, or desperation. Exactly. Yes, and I'm, I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again and again over the course of the show, that the happier you are being single, the faster or the sooner, you won't be single anymore. Because, yeah. because a happy, healthy, self-possessed single person, there's nothing sexier. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing more attractive than someone who is, is okay with themselves, isn't needy, isn't clingy, isn't, isn't desperate. It takes some work. It will take some effort to get there. But I can say that I have felt my best when I didn't give a shit. I knew. I knew. And that was right kind of when I met Robbie. I was perfectly happy being single. If that was the case, then God damn it, I was going to make the best of it. And then I met I met Robbie. And it, and it just sort of unfolded very naturally and organically from there. But... I do think that there has to be as much emphasis put on your ability to love yourself as there is to be able to love other people because one comes before the other. Can't have one without the other. Cannot have love, find love for other people if you don't have it for yourself. And that is job one. And we will get into all that stuff as the show progresses on how to do that. We will have uh, tools and skills and and Shannon, you have been fantastic. You guys, you. I know we put all your social media stuff up somewhere on the Voice America website. Um, you <laughs> gotta, you gotta you. check this chick out. She is awesome. She is cool, <laughs> but she is stable. You know, she's yeah. had a life. She's had a past, but her head is on straight, and she can help you guys. Anybody that feels that, and I was that person, by the way. I was a love addict. I had an experience, yeah. and. And I never felt worse. It, it, and I knew it. I knew it was wrong. I didn't. It didn't feel right. And yet I was totally in love with this guy, who twisted my head around and made me feel so needy and so bad about myself. But I couldn't leave him. I couldn't. I had to have him. 
because I was going to die if I didn't have them. And something in me, you know, started to die. I was able to somehow, with help, find my way out of it and end it. I could have used you, Shannon. Where were you like 10 years ago? Man? I was probably trying to do the same thing at the same time. No, God. Okay, well, the good <laughs> news yeah, is they're, that they're um, you're here for people and, now, and, and thank you for, for calling in and, and being our first guest. Right, Shannon, thank you. I, I love that you lost right, your guys, radio virginity with us. I look forward us. to tuning in. Yeah, great. We will have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bye-bye. Shannon. We'll be right back. And now, back to Done Being Single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Okay, we are back, and now we are going to go into our segment called Rants and Raves. Rants and Raves. Okay, so I got a lot of them. We got a few. My rant, and we touched upon it with Shannon earlier, is texting. Early on in a relationship, I think that if texting becomes an established form of communication between two people that are just starting to see each other, and you're not comfortable with it, speak up. I personally do not like to text, especially when I just met somebody. I find that to be a really impersonal way to just to communicate. It's I you think can't it's, convey things that you feel easily. And I think it's great to say I'm five minutes late. Yeah. That's a perfect opportunity for texting. But if you start texting conversations and it, you're accepting of it, then that will become the accepted mode of communication for a burgeoning couple, which I think is wrong. Yeah, I would not confuse texting with interest. I think texting is just an easy way out. I think people get super lazy and it's kind of cowardly and people who over text, it, it always raises a red flag for me because if you want, if you care, then pick up the phone. And if you're scared or if you, if you feel vulnerable, I mean, it just says so much about someone who can't pick up the phone and in, instead just text all all day long. I also think that it is more than a red flag in that if somebody texts you and doesn't call you, there's a really good chance that person either is still in a relationship or still married and can't pick up the phone and can't talk. So I would limit the text, put your foot down if it gets to be too much. I mean, I'm running late or I'm thinking of you. Okay, all right, that's cool. But these long text conversations throughout the day or, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't call you right now, that's bullshit. And, and if it isn't bullshit in the beginning, it will soon become bullshit. So uh, eyes open with that. And if you let it continue, then you have given it tacit approval to uh, be the way that you communicate. And I just find that that is going to have a short shelf life. And especially, you know, personality is really difficult to come through on a text. And that's a big part of who uh, most guys and girls are, is to show your personality, especially in a new relationship. Yes, and I'm, and which um, leads me to my to my dating rave of the week, and that is good old fashioned chivalry, which, by the way, includes calling. Okay, I I know you you millennials out there aren't big on talking, but you know what? The people in our generation, I found, sound like an old old lady here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sorry. It's calling never goes out of style. It just doesn't. 
pick up the damn phone and talk. It is chivalrous and it is courtly and along with other things such as do not, if you're picking up someone on a date, if your date should include food, which is in this day and age. Which is a mistake, I think. Unusual. Well, it's not, it's not a mistake. I mean, if you should, if it should get that, every, uh, to me, start off a date with a coffee or a drink. Yes. That's safe. It's safe. You're not invested. It's not a whole bunch of time commitment, you know, you know, it's just, for example, if you should find yourself on a date and you're picking a girl up for the love of God, do not text her from your car. Okay. Get out of your car, pull over, go up to the door, ring the doorbell. That is chivalrous. Open the door for her. Open the door at the restaurant. Do all the things that your parents may have done. It never goes out of style. It's classy. It's what a gentleman does. And then with that said, on the way home, don't drop her off in the middle of the street like an Uber. Get out of your damn car and walk her to the door, which, by the way, I should mention the last date I had before my date with Robbie, the last blind date I ever had. It went really south because he tried to kiss me. Oh, that was another thing. Don't make assumptions that somebody wants to stick their, you want them to stick your, their tongue down your throat. I had a date, a blind date with a guy who upon getting up from the table, just grabbed me and stuck his tongue in my mouth. I didn't ask for it, didn't want it. I was none too happy about it. So on the way home, I sort of it got quiet in the car on the way home. And instead of apologizing or saying anything, it became like the big elephant in the middle of the car. He just dropped me off in the middle of the street. And that was our date. So to all of you guys out there that believe that chivalry is dead. Yeah. And then the guy just, you know, pedal to the metal. Chivalry is not dead, people. Okay. It is alive and well, and yeah. I say practice and it. And I think the other the other side of that is to be receptive to that if a guy is being chivalrous. I think that women today may want to be very equal in so many ways, but you don't want to have the guy feel put off for doing these type of things of course, either. Of course. So now with that said, that was one of my last bad dating stories. It wasn't a dating story from hell. But it was, um, I think it's time. And it was definitely wasn't the worst dating hell story I've ever had. But we do have someone on the phone right now. Are you saying that it's now? Hold on a second. Tales from dating hell. It is that time. It is that time. Okay. And I love a great bad dating story. I don't know about you guys. We have got a great person on the line. Our close friend, Greg Sherman from Santa Monica. And he has a, a great story. Greg, are you there? Hello, kids. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes! (laughs) Greg, I have to introduce you as being one of the um, funniest and most talented people I know. Greg's a friend. He's also one of the great daters of our time. (laughs) Oh, God bless you, Trev. Well, you know what? Is that a good thing? that cold to drop six F-bombs. Gotta love you for that. Uh, It's the phlegm. It's the phlegm talking. She is a swearing church lady. I am. I am. A, you know what? That's what makes me me. I'm a, I'm a little um, fancy and I'm a little, um, well, you know, a little naughty, a little okay. naughty and nice. Greg, okay. regale us with one of your dating, your tales from yes, dating health. Just stories. one, Greg. We only have a few minutes. <laughs> uh, here's the quickest one I can tell you. I had the, uh, through a dating site, had met a girl, had done just the right amount of 
back and forth through uh, texting and had had a phone call where we arranged time to meet. And we got to a uh, sort of upscale sushi place. And she said to me, well, obviously, I don't look like my photos. Those were my modeling pictures from 12 years ago, which if you could freeze time, you'd stop and say, now, why would you do that? And that you can devote another show to, but this was happening in real time, so I'll just keep going. And she had a story to tell, and she was going to tell it. And we sat down. No waitress had come over, and she said, I take sex very seriously. And I was dating a guy, and we were dating for about nine months. It was a hot summer night, and we were lying in bed naked. And again, we haven't done so much as exchange anything. This is all happening as she is telling her story. And he wanted to see what it would feel like to put it inside me. And after nine <laughs> months, I, I finally said, okay, and I let him. But I freaked out, and I took the morning after pill the next day, and I had this terrible reaction to it, and I gained all this weight, and I ended up going bankrupt, and I kept calling this guy and calling this guy, and he just wouldn't return my calls. And I, you know, I don't know where my jaw was because I think the floor was where it hit originally, but it had fallen even further. And uh, she said, you know what? He's in the entertainment industry. You're also in the entertainment industry. And I'm thinking my one chance to say something, you know, it's a really big industry. It's very, very <laughs> big, lots of people in it. And she tells me the name of the guy and it's one of my oldest friends in the world. And I said, that's my exit line. So I stood up and I said, you know what? This is making me very uncomfortable. I know him very, very well, and you'll have to forgive me. And I got up and left. So that's a tale from hell. You know what's even worse of a tale from hell is that I went out with the same guy. So I know who you're talking about. (laughs) He also went out with my ex-wife before me, and he seems to be plaguing me wherever I go. I feel so left out here. This is about dating, and it's about you know, the oddity of someone just completely misrepresenting themselves online and having such oddness. Well, and this is going to be a future episode, if not a couple of episodes for us, because misrepresenting yourself, whether online or offline, is something I feel comes back to bite you in the ass in a big way. Sure. And honesty is always the best policy. And oh, I think that's don't a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So we will talk further about that. Yeah, uh, I've had a bunch of dates where they showed up um, 20 years older, 20 pounds heavier, and, you know, with hair from their 20s. And I don't know. I get it's tough online dating, you guys. It's tough. You know, you got to make, make a good impression and you have about two seconds to do it. But for the love of God, I mean, you know, you're going to meet someone. Why lie about your weight or your height or your age or anything? I mean, it's just it doesn't seem right. And it's you're going to be found out to start your relationship off with a no. lie. Right? It's it's bad on many levels. Uh, Greg, stand by. We are going to take another break here and bring you right back. So we'll be right back with the show. And now back to Dunbing Single. With dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Scharf. Yeah. I am a dating badass. Yes, you are. I really am. And I think Greg Sherman was the only person I've never dated. But I have dated a lot of people and know my shit. Greg, you know, you're in... Wrong uh, verb. Real (laughs) (laughs) select... You're in select company for... You to be the only person she's never dated. I think it's true. I don't. There, I, there's impressive. so very few out there. If yeah. you're out there and I haven't dated you, call in. 
Actually, that's not true. If you, you're out there and I dated you, Colin. Like Shannon, did you trust your vagina? Um, I do. I did trust my vagina. Okay. My vagina has very good taste. Yes, it does. And it also tastes. <laughs> and less filling. Yes. But okay. So. Uh, okay, oh. so we ha- we get letters, and um, we got a couple. Oh, okay. Very okay. Uh, so okay, that's not. Robbie put a lot of time into our sound effects. Okay. Um, so if you hear an occasional so. fart or a burp uh, no, or a honking horn or crickets, you'll know where that's coming from. Um, okay, Greg, we're going to keep you on the line because you're a dating badass too and a black belt in being single like we are. And um, here's a, an email. Um Hi, guys. I've been divorced for 11 years. I'm going to be an empty nester soon. My son is graduating from high school and going to college. I have somewhat enjoyed being single, but now I find myself becoming terrified about remaining single forever. All my married and single friends say that dating is a pain in the ass, and men my age, mid-50s, want women half my age. How can I not freak out about my single status but remain hopeful that I will not find that I will find love again and forever. Thanks. And what can we tell her? Well, don't freak out, first of all. And second of all, you only need one. You don't need a lot. And you need somebody that isn't interested in people half your age. And I think your uh, first guest had it right when she said, you have to be coming from a place of confidence. You can't be coming from a place of fear. And you have to get to that point in your life as an empty nester to feel comfortable going out out of a place of confidence. Because if you're going out out of fear, you're going to be there. You know, you'll be fulfilling self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. What about the the um, the issue of men wanting men your guy's age, fifty plus? But this is her wanting- perception that guys. Okay, Our but, age but, but want that, that. But, but and that may not be true. But either. I hear that a lot. That guys, and I mean, that's not new. That's you know, for the beginning of time. No, and men want a you know, tend to maybe not, not all. No, not they, all I want do not agree. I think some girls. do. Okay, so real quick, my real quick theory is that men that have been in long-term relationships for 25, 30 years and are getting out of them, they were basically cryogenically frozen, stunted emotionally at age 25 and here they are at 55 and they're now single and so they're not used to dating women their own age they're going to go back to when they were last single which was when they were 25 so that is what their initial thought is who to pursue and i think that's a huge mistake for men because they're going to get shut down very quickly for the most part and they're going to miss out on all the incredible women that have those years of experience and beauty and poise and want to have a good time just like they do. So I think that her perception of men only wanting that is one thing. And that's something that, you know, she can't necessarily change. But I don't think that all guys want to do that. But I think that I, some, I don't think uh, all guys think want young chicks. I get why they would. But I can why tell you. you from- would, Trev? Why, why do you think they would like younger women? Because I have my own theory on it being that I'm a guy. Because uh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Well, have I have something an to do with that. Be- I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not, um, they're not as jaded or hardened or they don't yeah. have as much hangups or issues as women, you know, as they get toward a certain age. There's something called menopause. Hello. 
That can't well, be sexy. More than that, I think that I don't know. the older you get, the more hardened you become, the more jaded you become, the more baggage you have. And that's true for any sex. And so the younger you are, the more maybe emotionally malleable you might be. And that's attractive sometimes. It's not necessarily optimal, as Robbie says, for all the right reasons. You want to have somebody that, ha- that has some shared experience with you. But there's something to be said on the, you know, instant sort of superficial appeal of somebody that is a little more malleable, looking for life experience. You become sort of a mentor in a way. It's kind of flattering. There are appeals to it. It's just not necessarily good for the long term. I don't know. I mean, I do. I get it, but it's for the same reason why I would never be a cougar. I just... Couldn't. Oh, you could be a cougar. Oh, no, I will never be a cougar. Okay. I will never be a cougar. Even when I was cougar, I could have had cougar status. I you, never, you I never went there. Cougar. How do you, I don't like how, younger you men. You cannot tell. I don't like you younger can. men. They have nothing. There's it's no appeal for me. It's not about you not liking them. It's about them and, uh, and, treating you and viewing you as that cougar. Well, I don't, I, but I, I don't find anything interesting. And I never have. I've always been like an upper classman snob. You know, even in high school, I went for the older guys. Maybe well, that's I, why you and I, Greg, I you and I never. Right. I mean, it was, yeah, I was going to say the cougar mentality is identical to what I was just describing. Women who just don't want men with a lot of baggage, who just like the guy that's young and will kind of do what they say and everything. I mean, the the mentality is very similar. It's, It's also equally superficial, but it comes from the same place. It's just not sustainable, really, for the most part. I can't see where it would be sustainable, although I know a man who is engaged to he's in his 60s and he's with a woman in her early 30s and what happens when the sex goes away you know what happens when it's not hot anymore i get in the beginning like he's banging this young chick and oh my god look at me i'm in my 60s and then what what are you talking well, about i believe chauncey gardner said it best i like to watch okay anyway. all right greg <laughs> okay Greg, thank you so much for My pleasure. being part of our first show. It's always great to talk to you, whether here or wherever. Yes, uh, and ladies, he is single and well, very it was eligible. Well, a pleasure busting your cherry with you. And do you Enjoy. need a cigarette, Greg? Congratulations. Keep killing it, you guys. You're, you're badass daters. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. It, you know, it took a long time to get this, this status. A lot of hard work. A lot of toads. You've earned it. Kissed a lot of toads. I also did other things with the toads. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are with our own radio show. Okay. Sharing the love. All right, Gregor, thank you so much. So I want to thank Shannon and Greg. Shannon Kaliri, rock star addiction, love addiction specialist. Let me just repeat her book. Hang on one second. Shannon Kaliri, author of She Dated the Ass Hats but Married the Good Guy. And yes, she did. And she is fantastic. And I highly re- recommend reading her book, checking her out. So this is just uh, the first episode. And we are going to uh, be developing stories and themes and issues and rants and raves and tales from dating hell and do's and don'ts. So we look forward to uh, sharing these with you every week. So send us um, emails and questions and be part of the journey. Be part of um, Done Being Single. Um, We will do our part for you. We will help you and contribute and be part of the community. Because there are a lot of daters out there, a lot of single people out there. And we're all looking for love, man. And I think we can all find it together. So we will be here next week and we hope you are too. 
See you back here next week on Done Being Single.